This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to another episode of AMI Audio Live's coverage of the 2020 Zero Project Conference. My name is Andy Frank. The Zero Project, an initiative of the Essel Foundation, focuses on the rights of persons with disabilities globally. It provides a platform where the most innovative and effective solutions to problems facing persons with disabilities are shared. Its sole objective, it writes on its website, zeroproject.org, is to assist in creating a world without barriers or with zero barriers, based on the articles of the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Today, we'll learn of two of the 75 practices that were recognized at the conference in the field of education. In a few minutes, you'll hear from Access Israel, an NGO that many AMI-audio listeners are familiar with from past specials such as this one. In 2012, it developed a training program of lectures and personal meetings for teachers and school service providers that teaches how to work with students with disabilities. In 2018, some 2,000 teachers were trained in that fashion. But first up, we'll go to the sunny west coast of the United States, Taft Community College, a public institution located in Taft, California, which has developed the Transition to Independent Living Program, otherwise known as TIL, which offers post-secondary education for adults over 18 years old with intellectual or developmental disabilities. Our next guest and I spoke at the Zero Project Conference in February of 2020 in Vienna. Hi, my name is Sherry Hornbunk, and I'm the executive director for the Taft College Foundation, and I'm here today representing the Transition to Independent Living Program. Otherwise known as TIL. Otherwise known as TIL. Thank you. (laughs) So tell us, first of all, tell us about Taft. Taft. Taft is an extremely rural area in Central California. It sits about 40 miles west of Bakersfield, if you've heard of Bakersfield. It's about 100 miles north of Los Angeles and about 100 miles south of Fresno. So we sit right in the middle of a very uh, rural agriculture as well as energy and oil environment. So now you've been doing this program since 1995, but before I go, we go into that, what is, what is the problem that you were targeting? Well, we realized that um, many people that have intellectual disabilities, um, they may do fine in life, live with their parents, but many didn't find employment. And we thought, what can we do to create an independent person from this population? So that began the TIL program. Uh, Of course, there's a work component because there's work situations and practices associated all the way through our two-year program. But other things had to go along with it. If they're going to work, they probably have to know how to cook. They probably have to know how to do their laundry. They have to know how to clean. They have to know how to take public transport. They know how to have some conflict resolution in their life. They they need to show, show that they can suit up, get somewhere on time, and be a good employee. All of those things go into our program. And it is a two-year process. <laughs> and, and you've been there since the outset? Um, no, I came about 12 years ago. Okay. And our program, like you said, has been around since 1995. But it seems like the last, 
you know, every year you get better at what you do, yeah. especially if you're looking at best practices and what's working, what isn't. And so the evolution over the last 10, 11 years has been amazing for me to see. Um, I knew about it before I came to the college, but just the last 12 years I've been working with the program. So tell us about um, the fact that your students live on campus and they also hold down a job. Uh, why is that important, especially in a rural area like, like where you're situated? Well, the first thing I want to say is the rural area. Um, when this program was started in 1995, it was done by a, a very innovative college president at the time. Um, for people who know Taft, they probably remember Taft as a big football college. And we were winning national awards and the football coach. Everything was football. And what happened with a change in property taxes and allocations in California, Taft College lost an enormous amount of money. And that particular college president had to end football. And it was really, I mean, people really, I don't want to say they wanted to kill him, but I think they wanted to kill him because <laughs> it was just so important to the community. So uh, Dr. Cothran was, was innovative. What happened was when we lost the football program, dorms became open and he's like what are we going to do with these dorms so he had lots of friends in taft and um there was a young lady named kathy that worked on the campus that was running dsps which is a, a program to help students with their special needs she said why don't we start a program for people with disabilities i mean just think they could live in the dorms dr cothran and we could teach them how to be independent and that's kind of how it started and he says i really like this and they did a little feasibility in the community and the community was so welcoming to this idea that they ran with it and so therefore began the till program but to get to the the question that you had which was <laughs> why, why is it important for them to live on campus why and then the students to live on campus and to hold down a, a job well when their parents bring them out and they've been accepted to the program their parents bring them out on their first day it's like move-in day and they bring their stuff and they move into the dorm um it's probably one of the first times their parents have really said goodbye mm -hmm. because these students are between 18 and 25 years old and typically have lived at home their whole lives. And the parents are nervous, but the parents are like, wow, this is, you're really going to be on your own. So the first couple, couple months, they're surrounded by eh, kind of people like them in this environment where they're making friends and um, they're, they're learning to be social so they start with this whole social skills building, and I'm in a dorm, and I'm on a college campus. The whole thing being on a college campus is really enlightening for them. So the whole situation about living with us begins the change of being independent, being on their own. They're no longer at home. And I think that's why it's important that they live with us. It starts that independent process <laughs> to living on your own and working on your own and surviving on your own. What about that additional responsibility? You know, this is uh, different than having a dorm for, a foot, you know, for football players. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, how, did the, how did the school transition to that type of responsibility? Because there's that. Yeah, it's been a process. Yeah. Um, I think, it, it, and like I say, it was a process. We have, um, you know, of course, a college campus has security, 24-hour security. But we have a special friend that's our security person over at Till 24 hours. And so there's a, a little health office that's open all night in hmm. case somebody 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, our students typically are not, they're very, um, very uh, okay to live on their own. Yeah. But sometimes there's medications and things that they have to take. So that's open. The security officer knows about it. And then there's always someone on a call that lives nearby that works for the program. So those elements tend to, and they have rules. They're not. They're not to leave the dorms at night. They yeah. know that they're supposed to stay inside after they have dinner, do their homework, and maybe they have a lounge at their Center for Independent Living so they can go and play foosball or, or ping pong or pool so they have games that they can play in video games. But they're known they're not supposed to leave campus. Yeah. And so with their security friend that's always there, um, it, it works. Yeah. Yeah, it works. Yeah. And then the job placement. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, it starts, believe it or not, it starts their first month. When they come in as freshmen, we have, um, and that's what's great about being in Taft, they've known the TIL program for so long that we have employers in town that go, I'd love to have a student. I'd love to. I mean, they're just so open to taking students. So their freshman year, they have a pretty heavy load of learning and training and school and classroom work, but they work six hours a week for someone in Taft. And that goes, our IT department hires a few because, of course, we've got a lot of uh, TIL students that love to work with computers and love to be involved with that. Um, our cafeteria, in case they want to go into food service. Um, our child care center, mm-hmm. that too. Uh, and then in town, we have the recreation department. We have Kmart. We have um, Joe's Restaurant. Uh, the chamber will take somebody. A bank has taken someone before. So we just, six hours a week, they immediately learn how to go to work. But prior to that, we go over some careful, um, you know, training. Uh, Time is important, being on time. Um, What you say and how you act on a job. So they get a little pre-job training. But um, that six-hour-a-week job while they're they're freshmen sets them up for their sophomore year Hmm. when they start working more. Oh, so it, it ramps up. Yeah, well, their sophomore years, they move out of the dorms, and we have about 10 homes that we rent in Taft. Oh. And the students will have a roommate, and they actually go live in a house off campus, could be up to a mile or two away, um, and they work 20 hours a week for someone, either they're on campus or in town. So at that point, they're living on their own. They're buying their own groceries. They're cooking and cleaning. They're having to negotiate public transport to get to school or work because they come back and take classes, and then they have to get to work maybe. They've got to get to the bank. So they learn. See, it happens. It's a process of learning how to live on your own Mm -hmm. and incorporating a job. Mm -hmm. So that 20-hour week, and they are all paid wages, so they get to have their check, and they balance their budgets, and they use their money. And so it becomes this real life. I mean, you mentioned going to work, but... It's a life experience. The job, the budgeting, the home they live in, getting along with their roommates, negotiating transportation, all of it. Which must help with their academic pursuits as well. Their academic pursuits are wonderful. Yes. Like the discipline, just the discipline of having to check all those boxes. Exactly. And many of them um, take traditional classes. Almost all of them take a traditional class or two in the college situation so they're you know integrated right into our classrooms and and all of our teachers are very aware of our program and um they're very nurturing and to to our students but they include them and expect the same thing that they expect from everybody else so they're expected to just get it done like everyone else get their homework done 
Speaking of everybody else, there is no um, special financial consideration. They get, they pay tuition like any other student. They do, and we have an arrangement, and I say arrangement, but we have an agreement with the regional center in, in California. Um, regional centers in California, if you are considered to be uh, disabled in any way, there is a particular stipend that they receive once they reach 18, and that particular stipend pays the majority of their monthly um, cost and so really it does it ends up not really costing the parents anything mm-hmm. and um, that covers all of the cost for the program and the college oh wow so it's it's i mean it's not like it's a we pretty much break even on the program yeah but that's it's okay with us yeah because we're running a great program yeah. And we don't really want to, because there are some students that come from, I would say, more affluent families, and then there are some that don't. Yeah. And we, we want to take everybody we can, and we don't want to have, we don't want to have to negotiate that one. Yeah. You know, we want to accept everybody. It's uh, expanded the program. I, I understand South Korea, and then in California, UCLA, and Fresno. Tell yes. me about tell me about how that came to be, and uh, what you see for further expansion down the road. Well. Um, it's expansion, although it's not really a TIL program. These organizations, and in South Korea, I can tell you about that, they've come to us and said, what are you doing? This is so good. We want to duplicate some of it, mm-hmm. whatever we can. So UCLA, um, they, uh, they actually came and wrote a white paper on the TIL program, mm-hmm. and they decided that they wanted to do the majority of what we do. And they used some of our curriculum. And, of course, they've branded off of that. But they don't – it's not a residence program, but they do have an apartment complex nearby in Westwood where some of their students live. But it's not a residential program, but it is very similar. And I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name right now, but it's very similar to what we do at Till. And then Fresno, which is the Wayfarer program, Fresno State, which is my alum, go dogs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually – pretty closely duplicated the program they use some of their extra dorms and that's what i love about the csu system which is the california state university systems they all have dorms and often some of them are going empty and i just think hmm, yeah. it's such a great opportunity for a program like till so fresno state did it and they're having a lot of success and then the korean adventure um we had a couple leaders come to us and say you know they People with disabilities were not being treated well at all. In fact, they didn't know what to do with them, and they didn't know how they were going to take care of them. And this mother was very concerned about her son. And so she came to see us first, and then we went down there and we met with the the, the, the politi- politicians, showed them our program. We took students. We took our president. And um, I feel that we made a made an impact on... There's really no difference. You have to give people like this opportunities. Mm-hmm. You cannot put them away into an environment where they cannot thrive and be part of your community. And so that was really the process that we went through uh, with our Korean adventure. And we stay in touch with them. In fact, they dropped by. They were in town uh, in California a couple months ago, and they came by to say hi. Hmm. They said, what you did start us, started us in the right direction. Yeah. While they don't have a TIL program, people with disabilities, they're finding programs, and they're starting to be accepted and integrated. And that wasn't going on. So it was, we it's helped. Got, and it's yeah. got to start, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, it's got, got to start. Your um, experience here at Zero Project, uh, how do you feel about the recognition that uh, the, you and the program received, and uh, what's been your experience like here in Vienna? 
Uh, we are completely blown away because it is so amazing and so wonderful and so globally <laughs> educational, you know, to see what everyone's doing everywhere and all of the different innovative programs and how they have videos and they show us what they're doing. I found it. I'm, 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 I'm in awe. Uh, getting the award last night, I think, I think we were all just sort of so humbled and appreciative. Um, we just feel so happy that our TIL program is being honored and noticed and we can share it with other people. Aaron and John gave their presentation yesterday and I mean, people had so many questions. We, we, all of us were just answering questions and um, that's great. We hope that somebody else can learn something from us just like we're learning from others. So very appreciative. Um, you know, this would have never happened without a funder that I do, you know, I, I had a relationship with over six years. Her name is Lisa Traig. She works for the May and Stanley Charitable Trust. She told me, Sherry, you guys need to apply. You have such a great program. I said, what is this? And she brought it into our world. We applied and here we are, you know, so it's just amazing and there were a lot of applications there were almost 500 i believe <sighs> uh, for to, to narrow it the list down to 86 recipients so yeah we're yeah award, so wow yeah well congratulations it's been a pleasure getting to know you and your program thank and you. uh, all the best in the future thank you so much and thank you for what you do appreciate it the graduating class of the transition to independent living program in 2018 contained 23 students and 78 percent have found employment in the open labor market. Earlier, I mentioned that we'll introduce a familiar voice to AMI-audio live broadcasts. In 2018 and 2019, I had the pleasure of covering the Access Israel conferences in Tel Aviv. It was there that I learned about the existence of Zero Project and the annual conference we're covering here in these reports. Michal Rimon is the CEO of Access Israel and she tells us why the NGO was among four awardees from Israel. Well, uh, this year we're very proud to be acknowledged for a project of training teachers for inclusive education. The idea is Whitney Houston saying, I believe the children are our future. That's great, but we want to make sure it's all children. And we want to make sure that the seeds of inclusive education are not just put in the ground and left there, but really are coming to a prepare ground and keep being fertilized and watered. <laughs> and that's what it's all about, taking the human factor in the school, the teacher, the consultant, the secretary, giving them the tools to uh, really know and understand how to make education inclusive. So I witnessed this a couple of years ago uh, near Tel Aviv, and it was... Uh, at a school where uh, people with disabilities themselves uh, took children and teachers through a whole experiential mm -hmm. thing, uh, whether they were blind or deaf or um, otherwise uh, disabled. Uh, is, is this part of what you... Yeah. Uh, what we believe in in all our projects, whether it's uh, for kindergarten kids or CEOs of the largest companies in Israel, we believe in the four pillars. The four pillars mean, first of all, knowledge. When you know something, you're less afraid of it. And knowledge gives you power. Uh, it slowly breaks the, the little glass barriers or big glass barriers that divide us and them. Um, but it's not enough because I can be a great lecturer 
and then I'll lecture to you about something and leave, and somebody else will be another great lecturer, and you'll remember probably the last lecture you heard. Mm -hmm. That's why we always combine it, first of all, with experience. You have to really connect to the gut. So as you said and you saw two years ago, the whole idea is to take disability, which is a subject that is not really you know, the sexiest or <laughs> the most fun uh, uh, subject to talk about, and turn it into something that people stand in line. That a teacher, uh, who I can tell you a decade ago, uh, schools didn't really want uh, to uh, put this issue inside the schools. They said, no, it will make people feel bad. It's not really good. And today, schools are standing in line. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, unfortunately under-budgeted to the uh, um, uh, number of requests we receive every year. In a previous episode of AMI-audio Live titled Access Israel Part 4 from 2018, I witnessed the empathy training Michal refers to firsthand. One student told us about what she learned about being blindfolded for 40 minutes and about listening to the experience of a woman who lost her sight later in her life. So the objective is to develop empathy for the children? Yeah, empathy and to, to feel for a moment what is it not seeing. Because when they're going inside this room without seeing, they get in panic, screaming, oh my God, I'm going to fall, getting like really over a, a reaction. And they, they can feel that only about five minutes when they got inside, they, they know this room, they know they can get hurt. So it makes them feel a bit what, for what she feels. We do it constantly in schools. Yeah, it's amazing. You can see... In everywhere, the children can show empathy, and even we go to first uh, first grade people, and they still they can feel even if with what they don't understand, they can still feel the empathy, and we be, we go everywhere, and it's amazing to see this. It's really amazing. Well, how children can connect and can feel, and when they're so small, they don't have any uh, you know. Um, Mechanism, uh, defense mechanism, so they ask everything, right. everything like such an embarrassing question, and right. then like it's. A, Amazing. Well, like, I have to tell you, Michal, what I, what I witnessed was the children were incredibly engaged. Yeah. Like, really, yeah. asking great questions, participating, eagerly rolling a wheelchair over an obstacle course. Totally. All these things. It was, and, and, and the energy was just kind of like it is here at yeah, the yeah, conference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because when you take that knowledge, that experience, getting to know the people behind the disability, which is crucial, and then providing them tools, that's the fourth pillar, on how to make a difference, then everybody becomes engaged. And you know, the, the, the statistics are not lying. Probably each and every child here, if you'll think, it's relevant to them. They have a grandfather, a grandmother, a parent, a friend, a teacher, uh, a neighbor that is with a disability. It hits everybody uh, uh, around us. Uh, and uh, I always wish everybody uh, long life and, and good health. But at the age of 99, we will all need accessibility. Oh, yeah. So the idea is once you take the subject, be, make it more fun. Make it more um, uh, talkable and uh, uh, make it more relevant and provide really concrete tools on how to make a difference, I think that is, uh, that is the key. And now when we take that to the teachers and combine it with stories, we hear, we listen to the teachers. We understand their struggle. I don't know how it is in other countries, but in Israel, classes have 35 to 40 kids in mm -hmm. a class. Yep. That by itself is a challenge yeah. for the teacher. So think about inclusive classes with some of these kids with uh, hearing impairment or vision impairment or autism or, or any other uh, uh, disability. It's a challenge and they have to be provided with tools to overcome the challenge and really make it work. Because good heart, 
good intuition is important, but it's not enough. We have about a minute left. So tell me, putting your Zero Project Ambassador hat on, yes. your impressions of the conference this year. Well, as, as a person who uh, runs uh, annual uh, conferences, the biggest uh, uh, concern is always, how am I going to top last year? Well, Zero Project, it looks easy breezy. Uh, every year they do it. Every year they succeed. They add something else and make it an amazing place to meet people, to expand the network, to uh, learn about innovations. And I always say developing countries, developed countries, under budget, of over budget, you always can learn from others that are coping and dealing with what you yourself are dealing with in your country. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to see how different cultures, different geographies, different economies attack the same problem in different ways and you can always learn from that yeah that's the magic here is getting yeah, absolutely. the getting the awardees together yeah it's beyond networking yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a whole other level yeah, of, absolutely of, 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 of learning from each other i'm a fan of zero projects for the past seven years and i will for uh, continue to do so for many years to come thank you Michal. thank you that was michael ramon of access israel for more information on Zero Project, including details on all of the 2020 awardees, go to zeroproject.org and select the tab of 2020 Conference. Other related podcasts can be found at AMI-audio live at your favorite podcast distributor. Just look for Zero Project Conference 2020. My name is Andy Frank. Thank you for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. 
Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.